0: Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. The last three weeks we've been covering uh, a, a section called uh, Beware of Your Enemies. Of course, we if you're just joining us, we've been going through a series called What's Next?, And this is a a series of discipleship lessons that, are, as you've noticed, are not just for brand-new Christians. All the truths in here are good for all of us to be reminded about and to put into our lives. And it's amazing how quickly some things we just let slip or we forget. And you can't really do much better than getting back to the basics. If you just do the basics of the Christian life... Uh, you'll do pretty well okay. Uh, and so before I get into this lesson just to to wrap that up from those last three weeks, I know they're all kind of disjointed but hopefully not disjointed we have three enemies it's actually one lesson in the discipleship book but we expanded it for the purposes here Uh, so we have three enemies, sometimes we we hear it referred, referred to as the world the flesh and the devil, that's the common order If you notice, we didn't follow that order. We started with the devil and then the flesh and then the world. And I purposely arranged it that way because obviously our number one foe is the devil. He's against God. He's against God's people. But he's not with us all the time. Our flesh is with us. So that is the enemy that we are with all the time is ourselves. The flesh is that um, it's not just our body. It, there's a, a sinful nature that goes against God. And so we have to deal with this flesh. The flesh is always you know, crying out, screaming, wanting its desires fulfilled. Now, some, some of the flesh's desires are not bad. Like, I got up this morning, I was hungry. I was thirsty. Those aren't necessarily bad desires, okay? Uh, the word lusts, lust refers to desires but it's not just those normal desires, it's more dealing with forbidden desires, and so that's what the flesh the old nature, that sinful nature in every person craves is sin, and so last week's lesson on, on the world the whole idea of the world is okay, so you've got the devil is one enemy, we've got our flesh is another enemy but The devil is small letter G, the God of this world, the Bible says, so he kind of orchestrates this world system. The world, in the Bible, is used a couple different ways. It talks about those who are you know, all people in the world. God loves all people, so in that sense we should love the world. But the Bible also says love not the world, and in that verse he's not talking about all the people in the world. He's talking about the world's System which is against God, and so the God of this world, which is the small letter G, the one who orchestrates the uh, a lot of the the, the sinfulness uh, in this world, is the devil. So you've got the devil, and he's our enemy, and we've got a flesh; it's our enemy, and the devil uses a lot of these things in the world to appeal to our flesh. So that's how the three work together. You've got a strong, powerful enemy in the devil, a strong, powerful enemy in the flesh. And the devil puts all these temptations, all these things that uh, you, you, your flesh wants to look at and listen to and, and, and be involved in. And those, some of those things are against God's word. And so the devil's there through fashion, through um, you know entertainment, whether it's music, Movies, videos, all these different uh, forms of media where he tries to continue to, and, and not just that, but the, the world's philosophy, which is against God. And so many unbiblical philosophies, uh, and, and even, I know we have many people who would consider themselves conservatives, but even conservative talk radio isn't necessarily always godly, and sometimes it's ungodly. The conservative principles might be fine, but, you know, they don't have good uh, language. They might be fiscally conservative, but certainly not morally conservative. And so you start thinking, well, these are the good guys, but the good guys, when the good guys are corrupt, they're not really the good guys after all, are they? Anyway, that's all bonus. So we have to be careful of the world's philosophies and and the world's pulls and and desires. And so the devil orchestrates a lot of these things. And it appeals to our flesh. And that's how those three work together to become enemies of our soul. That was those last three lessons in a nutshell. Just wanted to tie that together. So that we could get on to the next lesson, which is totally different, but is helpful to us. And this lesson is entitled, Go to Church. Now, you're in church, so you say, well, I got this one down. It's, okay, the title is probably not... totally accurate, but it is a good start. Get into church, right? If if you've got someone who's newly saved and you're working with them, it's great to have a Bible study at their house, but that doesn't replace church. You don't have, you know, six months of Bible studies with them never coming to church. That doesn't help them. I mean, it'll help them, but what will help them more is if they can get into church because they're going to hear a whole lot more uh, truth and what you can just give them from a Bible study. So Bible studies are fine. Have them, but also make sure that you're, you're, you're stressing the idea of getting into church. Now, as, you, as we go along, you'll see it's not just that remedial. If you've been coming to church for a while, you'll see there's some things in this lesson that will be beneficial to you. But I'm going to start with some more foundational things for those who might be new. And good reminders for the rest of us so let's pray and we'll be get, uh, get started. Father we thank you for your word this opportunity to be in church today and thank you that your your word has um, the truth it has instruction and if we follow it it helps our lives and when we neglect your word and the truths found in it it hinders us. So I pray that you'd guide us as we look into it and try to uh, be faithful uh, to follow it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, go to church. I'm here in Hebrews chapter 10. I've got a key verse if you have a handout, but I want to put it in a little bit more context and put a couple other verses here with this. So I want to start in verse 23. That's why I had asked you to turn to Hebrews 10. It says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love, and to do uh, and, and to good works. So we should hold fast this profession. You say, "I'm a Christian." Well, good. That's good to say. But God's saying, "Show it. Live it." Okay. So we need to hold fast this profession of our faith without wavering. You know, don't, don't be, well, I'm a Christian sometimes, and sometimes I don't feel like acting a Christian. No, let's be faithful here. And in verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. This idea of one another. Who he's talking about? He's talking about fellow believers here now. And we should have love and concern for each other and try to help one another. And the idea of, now, provoke, provoking can be an interesting word, right? I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I had a, a, an older brother and a younger sister, and I knew how to push their buttons, right, and provoke them to get them to say something or do something. Now, that's not the, the idea here. Now, you can, you can provoke someone to do the wrong thing, but you could also provoke someone to do the right thing by encouraging them, by prodding them a little bit. And that's why it's important for us to, to be in church and have a church because we all need one another. If you, if you don't come to church and, you're at home and you say, oh, I'm a Christian and you're at home, who's going to help you? You need someone to, to encourage you along a little bit. And uh, I need that. We all need that. So we need to come to church and, and, and get this. And then we get to the verse that's here, the key verse in the, for the lesson, is not forsaking. So part of provoking one another unto love and good works, it says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So part of this idea of provoking unto love and good works and considering one another is to... Encourage one another to be faithful to God, to be in church, and to help one another in church. So if, again, if you're not at church, you can't get the encouragement that you need. So, well, let's dial back a little bit. Uh, I'm not super old, but I'm not young either. Uh, so not many years ago, it was... Common for people to attend church on Sundays. It was just the common thing. And, and most people with a little bit of gray hair, uh, unless you prematurely gray, uh, remember those days where a lot of people, it was just Sunday was that. A lot of stores were not open on Sunday. Now everything's open on Sunday, except for Chick-fil-A, all right? Uh... And um, it's very, very different now. Sundays are a time for relaxation. Uh, You know, you hear people say, hey, would you come to church? Well, that's my only day off. You know, I I need my time. I thought the Bible said it's the Lord's day. Uh, Your time is all those other days in the week. And... But now it's a time for relaxation, it's a time for shopping, it's time for sleeping in, it's time for getting projects done around the house, it's a time for sporting events, right? NFL plays most of their games on what day? Sunday. Okay, And so it's, it's not just them anymore, now it's a lot of uh, little kids' sporting events. They schedule them on Sundays. I'm sorry, that's a heathen society. When you're, you're trying to ingrain in these young people that what's the most important thing on Sunday is your sporting event and your team, and that, that, that's wrong. It's certainly going against what God says. And people love the weekends for getaways. You know, well, it's, this is, I work a week and. Weekends are my time to travel, my time to go and do what I want to do and be where I want to be. And we forget it's the Lord's day on Sunday. So, because a lot of people don't know much about the local church, I think it would be helpful then to answer a few questions about that. And so, we'll start, and I can't get in real deep on this one. You know, I have three points today, and each of these points could be a whole lesson. In fact, You could take a whole college semester and teach on the local church. We don't have that. We have probably uh, less than 30 minutes now. Let's move. So what is a church? First of all, if you have your outline, uh, a church is not a building. People say, I'm going to church today. And you walk into this thing. This is a nice church. It's a pretty church. This is not the church. This building, this structure is not The church—that's commonly believed by people—but it's more than just a a building decorated with a cross uh, or having a steeple. A church is, according to the New Testament, the word "church" means to uh, to be called out, to be called out from something. It refers to a group of people who've been called out of the world and are united in a particular assembly. And we'll see more about this in a moment here. These are saved, baptized people. And the the churches in the Bible were local groups of believers who united together in a common cause. There is no big universal church on the earth. Now, some people believe in that, but don't see it in the Bible. It's not like everyone who's saved in the world is part of this big global church that's all over the world. No, there's not one big global church all over the world. People who are saved, who congregate in local churches, form churches. And so that's what Baptists believe us because we believe that's what the Bible teaches. Uh, You go through and you see some of these letters in the Bible. They're unto the church of, you know, I'm just reading through uh, Revelation, uh, unto the church of Thes- uh, Laodicea, unto the church of Sardis, all these different ones. And so, uh, a church is not a building. Let me just say that. I got to move here. Secondly, a church is composed of members, right? So, there is a difference then between members and attenders. All right. Everyone who comes and attends this church is not necessarily a part of this church, not necessarily a member of the church. Now, someone could go to a particular church for years, and they say, well, what church do you belong to? I go to such and such a church. That's my church. Well, have you joined the church? What do you mean, join the church? I go there. I claim that as my own It's more than just you claiming the church as your own. You know, the church actually has to claim you, too. (laughs) And so um, we see uh, this in the scripture here, and we'll, we'll get to here in just a moment. But in every church there are members and attenders, but it's God's plan that each person joins a biblical church after being saved. Being saved is is the first part. And that's what I want to get into secondly. So a church is composed of members. There's a difference between members and tenders. And then secondly, there underneath that is uh, the, the requirement for membership. So what are the requirements to become a member? Well, Acts 2.41, we have in our handout there, it says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. On the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So We see 3,000 people being added to the church. They became members of the church in Jerusalem that day. So how did that happen? So they gladly received his word. What was his word? He had preached that, if you go earlier in the chapter, he preached that Jesus was the Messiah, that they had sinned, and that they needed to repent. And, of course, the scriptures teach that we need to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. And so they needed to repent and turn from the sin to turn to Christ, accept him as Savior. And it says that they gladly received his word, which meant they did repent. They got saved. They trusted Christ as their Savior. And then it says those who did that were baptized. So they got saved. They Followed the Lord in baptism. We already had a lesson on baptism. So they, they took that step of obedience. They followed Him. Baptism is a picture of the death, the burial and resurrection of Christ. Baptism doesn't save. It's a picture of salvation and what Christ did for us. So they got saved. They got baptized and at that, and then they were added to the church. Uh, so salvation is the first requirement, and then baptism is the second requirement. Right? Only those who have received Christ as their Savior and been baptized are eligible to become a member of a church. That's what we believe. We get that from the Scripture. That's what we hold to. And uh, they were added. You know, when I go shopping with my wife, we go down the aisle with a cart, and we're adding things to the church. I'm not just sure to church or the cart. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Sometimes I add things for the church. But uh, uh, we're adding things to the cart because we're choosing what we want. These are things that I think would be helpful for my household. You know, some of the things that she chooses and some of the things that I choose are a little different, right? If she wants some of the things without me, wouldn't be in the cart. But I'm there and I get to, you know, say... This, this is a good thing to have in here, too. And so, people who get saved, get baptized, and who are interested in joining church, in, in our church, we ask them to come down, and uh, Dr. Vogel usually meets with them for a few minutes here in one of the front rows, and just discusses uh, a little bit about uh, our church. Gives a little uh, packet there of information to look through, and we have what we call as a church covenant. And the church covenant just talks about what we believe as a church. And, and we want to make sure that someone's saved and baptized and they agree with what we believe. Because we're called out to be unified to serve a purpose for the Lord. And if someone says, well, I, I, don't, I don't believe in the virgin birth. I don't believe in living holy. I believe in all these other things that the Bible doesn't teach and I'm going to be a member of your church. We have a right to say whether we want you as a member or not. Uh, of course, we want people as members. You know, we do. But we also want people who believe like we believe and follow the book. And so that's why we do what we do. Okay? So that's basically what a church is. I know we could go into a whole lot more detail, but for the sake of this lesson, we're not going to let's move to the second question then and that is why should we go to church now the new, there's, there are numerous reasons why we should go to church I'm just going to give you a few of them okay so first one is this we are commanded to go to church and it's an interesting way uh, it's worded here we just read in Hebrews 10:25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as their manner of some is it's more of a command. To, to stop going to church because he's, he's just assuming that that's what Christians do. Christians just know that they go to church. It's, it's kind of one of those things that's a taken for granted thing. He said, so not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. And so a church is a called out assembly and if you're part of a church, you've been saved, you've been baptized, you join joined the church, you're part of a called out assembly. God says, don't stop Assembling. Don't stop doing that. Uh, and, and, and people argue that they can have church at home, but God says here, uses the words, assembling together. So assembling together. Even the definition of the word church called out assembly. That's why, you know, people say, well, you know, during COVID, I just had church at home. You didn't really have church at home. You may have live-streamed and saw some preaching, but a church is an assembly, and that's why all those mandates and restrictions that were imposed heavily, hand, heavy-handedly uh, were really disruptive to local churches, and you talk to churches—I've talked to many pastors around the country—and some of their churches are still struggling because people just figure, "Well, oh, I just stay home and have church." And it's uh, government does a great job of intervening and messing up a lot of things, doesn't it? Uh, but we're we're commanded to follow the Lord. And Jesus said, uh, "Let me just say this: When you get together at church, something kind of special happens. And, and what special happens? And, and I'm not saying you you're sick." Okay, Go back to the not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. Well, I'm sick. I'm in the hospital. I have to go to church. I'm in sin because I can't go to church. There are certain uh, uh, occasions where you're not going to be in church. The whole idea of God saying is don't forsake. Don't utterly abandon church. Now, if you're choosing, well, I can make a few extra bucks on a, on a Sunday, so I'm going to take that overtime so that I can have a few extra dollars, Yeah, I don't think that's going to fly too well. But what? Um, but if you're sick, you know you you can't you, you can't uh, you can't be here. You can't be here. But when you when you do come to church, something special happens. And Jesus said in Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So at, at church, at a true church where there are saved people. You can go. There are churches all around the world that are meeting right now that don't believe salvation by faith. Uh, they believe it's by works. They're not even saved. It's tech, they're technically not even churches. They're assemblies, but they're not called out assemblies by God. So they, they're called churches, but they're not really churches by the biblical definition. And so you can go to some of those and not much is going to happen. But when you go to a a church that is composed of saved, baptized members and God's there, Jesus in the midst, there's something special going on there. The music is going and God speaks and then God speaks through the preaching. It's in a special way. And when we don't come, we miss that. You miss God's presence in a special way. Now, if you're saved, you always have God with you. I, I get that. But he manifests himself in a special way in church. So we're commanded to go to church. Secondly, another reason we should go to church is because church is a place to gain spiritual nourishment. We had a whole lesson on that in the past. Uh, but God gives pastors to churches to feed people spiritually. Now I have a verse here in And Jeremiah, I understand that's Old Testament and didn't have local New Testament churches back then. There are New Testament, and we have a New Testament passage that we'll see later where it does talk about pastors feeding the flock. But this is a a very good verse, and I think it's applicable, uh, because God does give pastors. He does give shepherds to feed people spiritually, whether they were in the Old Testament to, to help them in their dispensation or people today in our dispensation. And so it says in Jeremiah 3.15, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So members of a church are God's sheep. And God takes care of his sheep. And he has uh, pastors. pastor The word pastor means shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Pastor is the under-shepherd. And he leads the flock, he feeds the flock, and uh, God will help the pastors know what the people need and and gives them wisdom and insight and, and leads them. And when you fail to be in church, you're missing a meal spiritually that God has prepared for you. Right? So, You came this morning, amen, praise the Lord. You're getting this meal about the church. Now, the pastor will have a sermon to follow. You'll get that meal. And praise the Lord, we have church this evening. When we come back, there'll be another meal prepared for us spiritually. If you miss the evening service, you miss that meal. You miss that spiritual nourishment. We come back on Thursdays and we have another meal prepared for us. If you miss that one, you've missed another meal. Uh, there are some people miss Sunday school. They come in for the morning service. Well, they miss this. You say, well, they're not missing much. Okay, I get it. I'm teaching. But uh, they are missing the Bible, and so that's something you don't want to miss out on. And I think a lot of God's people suffer from spiritual malnutrition because they're not getting what they need because they're not in church like they need to, and then you have people who miss church week after week after week, and then show up once in a while. And then, really, when you don't eat physically, you get weak, and when you don't eat spiritually, you get weak, and then you can't fight off temptation, you can't fight off discouragement, you can't, uh, you don't have the strength to do what's right, and and to be the the husband or wife you need to be, or to be the parent you need to be, and all of that. So. Church is a place to gain spiritual nourishment. Again, the right church. A third reason is that church provides the right kind of fellowship. Fellowship, we all, most of us will, you know have friends and get around other people. And the, let me just say this: the people uh, with whom you surround yourself are going to have an effect on your life. They'll either have a good effect or a bad effect. Now, you go to work, you don't always get to choose who you work with, do you? And some people work with some pretty salty characters. Some people that are not such a nice influence on you. All the more reason to get around some people who will have a good influence on you. Get into church, right? Uh, Now, we read Acts 2.41. Let me read Acts 2.42. After they got saved and baptized and added to the church, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. So notice that fellowship should be regulated by our doctrine. By doctrine. It says they they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. I'm going to have the best fellowship with people who believe like I believe. I believe the Bible, and if they believe the Bible, I'm going to have good fellowship. I can help them, they can help me. If I'm having fellowship with people who disagree with this book, it's going to hurt me. Okay, And so by going to church, you gain like-minded friends uh, that can be a big help in your life. Fellow believers have faced what you're facing right now they've helped people who are going through something that you're going through right now and so there's there's someone who's already gone through that trial or, or faced that temptation and God has shown them how to have victory when you have good godly friends you can talk with them and they can help you you've got spiritual uh, leaders in the church that could um, you know, counsel you and, and give you some hope and some help, and God, in his wisdom, has designed the church this way that members can encourage one another. I get encouragement from members you say well you 're one of the pastors, so I need encouragement, I gain encouragement from others because there are people in here who have gone through things i haven 't gone through, and then when I go through them, I can learn from uh, them, how they've handled those things, and the Bible talks about this: that he, God comforts us in 2 Corinthians one four, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Okay, so He comforts me, so I can comfort others uh, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And so, where can you find godly friends to help you in your Christian life and to comfort you and strengthen you at the bar? At the movie theater. No? Where? At church. Maybe we should spend some time here. Amen? And that's the exciting thing. Uh, just, just thinking about this lesson last night. You know, men's prayer meeting, guys getting together. You know, guys are get there early, they're talking. They have a time of prayer, and then I see guys in this part of the hallway and guys in another part of the hallway. Just afterwards, just talk. Having fellowship, sharing blessings and burdens and just being an encouragement to one another. That, that's what it's all about. It's not about, i gotta go. I got to go in and pray. No, we get to go and pray and talk to God and have fellowship with him and fellowship with the other members. All right, let me give you another one here. and. This, this could be a whole lesson. And I guess have got to touch it. You have a job to do. There's another reason why you should go to church. You have a job to do. Every member of a church has been given gifts to use within the church. So let me read this quickly for you and give a quick, quick explanation. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, Having then gifts, okay, having gifts, Has a job to do. Every member has a gift to be able. And doesn't necessarily mean a position. When I say a job to do, it doesn't mean a, a position necessarily. All right. It says that there are a lot of in here. There's uh, the gift of prophecy. That's that is not just foretelling, uh, like you know, predicting the future. That's there was some foretelling back in the New Testament days, but also includes forthtelling. That means thundering out God's word from the, the revealed truth that we have here, and that's what applies to us these days since those other uh, prophetic gifts are, are not for today. But it says, let us prophesy. If you have that gift, thunder it out, okay? Uh, there are some preachers that get up there and they just let it rip. Okay? Well, that's not just because they're a great preacher. Maybe they just actually have the gift of preaching. Um, then ministry, that's the idea of serving. The, the person who has a servant's heart not necessarily a position, but you know, there's a sign-up sheet down there at the front desk to uh, fill in some of the uh, extra duties, the cleaning duties around during the holidays where some of the people are gone and aren't going to be able to. And so you know, everybody should serve. That's a command. But there are some people who have the gift to just... They go, they're always there to help with everything. They've just got that servant's heart. They've got a special gift for that. I'm glad there's people like that because... Uh, Some people don't want to sign up. They're like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll just wait. Oh, all the names are already filled. I guess I don't have to sign up now. Uh, You miss out on that. Anyway, let's continue here. Um, The teaching, okay? There could be more people in the church, because we have a large church, that have the gift of teaching than we have slots to fill. But that doesn't mean you can't still teach others. If you're an older gentleman or an older lady, you can take one of the younger men and younger ladies under your wing and teach them things. It's, it's not just about a position or having a classroom to do that in, the idea of exhorting. There are people who have that gift of encouragement. I can think of a couple of them right now. Our pastor has that gift. That's I've appointed you as that gift, Dr. Mitchell. Um, he's just always encouraging. You know, I'm walking down the hallway. And he's, hey, brother! He's always upbeat. I'm like, okay, I'm glad we have that. Amen. I need to be encouraged. Uh, then there's peop- the idea of giving. That's anyway. That's not putting money in the offering plate. That's more of there are people who are gifted with knowing how to manage and distribute church funds. That's what I was talking about. You can study it out on your own. Uh, ruling and showing mercy. The idea of. Uh, just being merciful and, and being there to help people. I don't have time to elaborate on this, but Romans 12:15. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. Uh, um, and everyone members one of another. So the body the church is like a body. Like right? I need my hands, I need my feet, I need my eyes, I need everything to be working. And one when one thing's not working real well. It really hinders things, right? If, if I break my leg, now my arms have to take up and do more work with the crutches, right? And my other leg has to do more work. And all because I've got one leg that's not working right. So if, you, if every one of us are members in the church and one of us isn't doing our job, some of the other members have to pick up and take an extra load. And the body, the church, just doesn't go as smoothly as it could and should. If we were all pulling our weight, doing what we 're supposed to do, so you have a gift doesn 't necessarily mean a position, fulfill your gift and do what God has gifted you to do um, yeah, just for time's sake, let me give you a letter. Uh, the, the the fifth one is the church provides spiritual protection. God gives us pastors um, because there are wolves and sheep 's clothing out there, and the pastor is a shepherd, and he he drives away the wolves. And uh, you can read about that in uh, Acts 20, 28 through 30. And you'll see where the pastor is to feed the flock, but he also he is there to protect the flock. And let me say this. The devil knows that the pastors are here to help you. And so the devil would like nothing more than to drive a wedge between you and your pastors. And when you have this thing between you and your pastors, then you're going to miss out on some of the spiritual protection because now you've got some questions, some doubt why you don't believe he's this or that. And it only hurts you to stand in doubt and to fall susceptible to the devil's wiles. So have a good relationship with your pastors. If you don't, work to make sure you do. I'll give you these. Number three, how should we attend church? Be positive. You can look up the the verses and fill in blanks, right? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Be happy when you go to the house of God. Uh, Be prepared. Remember, this is the Lord's Day. It's the most important day of the week. People say, well, you know, I just don't have anything to wear. Clothes would be a good start, right? You've got some. Well, I don't have anything clean. Well, do wash, okay? Be, be prompt. Let all things be done decently in order. If, if we show up 10 minutes late uh, for, for church every week, that adds up to 520 minutes. In a year's time. That's a lot of time that we've missed in God's instruction. Then, lastly, would be be prayerful. Be prayerful. We can uh, pray, search me. There's a reference there. Lead me. Teach me. Be clear. Ask God to show you something. Teach you something. He said, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So, we come with the right attitude. We should always whisper a prayer, right? Lord, give me something from the sermon today. And if we're seeking something, God comes to church and walks away with nothing, right? Even the lamest preacher who's got the sorriest sermon ever preached, if he's got God's word and God's word is read, you can get something out of God's word, amen? So, and thankfully we don't have like the sorriest preacher who's going to get up and preach for us in just a few moments.